0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. For years, I've talked about delivery drones, driverless cars, robots. Well, this stuff is for real now, and later... The rules on inheriting a traditional IRA have changed to be really, really ugly. I need to explain them in short form, because if I explain too much, you'll just fall asleep. Just to let you know a better way for you to have money that's hanging around that maybe loved ones will inherit someday. So Walmart just announced that their experiment with drone delivery has not fallen on its face. It's been, so far, a tremendous success. So, their uh, delivery by drone is called drone up. And the whole idea is to do deliveries where they can be done in a hurry, things that are up to 10 pounds, and it's now going to be offered in six states, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Texas, Utah, and Virginia. And they're now in a position to deliver, this is a tiny fraction, obviously, of their deliveries, but the goal is in these six states to deliver a million packages a year this way, as they continue to ramp up the express delivery. And so the design of it, is you know how they'll have employees running around a Walmart store collecting items for uh, people to do grocery pickup or delivery? Well, same kind of idea. Somebody will go around, they'll take it to the the drone launch site, the items, and then the drone will deliver within a two-hour period because Walmart is in a position where they have stores within... Is it 10 miles of 90% of the population of the country? Some number like that. So they look at this as not an Amazon killer, but gives them quite a step up on delivery. And there are things they will be able to deliver between, they say between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. and 30 minutes or less. Like Domino's Pizza used to say, right? Think about pizza. Think about how... Pizza chains can't find delivery drivers now. Think about it if a drone is delivering pizza to you. And that sounds weird, right? But have you seen the video that we posted on social media when I was in Phoenix with my son uh, last month? And there were all these delivery robots going on the sidewalk and the delivery thingies the little robots would just um, figure out where they were going. And I remember one of them was coming towards me and it knew exactly what to do to not get stepped on by me and to not run into me. I mean, these things are getting more and more clever. And in that case, they just zip down the sidewalk and deliver to the addresses. I, I didn't see how one of those actually can deal with red lights or not. But anyway, I digress. On the Walmart thing, they're going to be able, with the level they're going to next, it's only going to reach 4 million households. So that's like, is that 3% of households in the U.S.? Something like that. But it obviously shows this is where delivery is headed. Because people want the reliability and they want crazy speed. Um a lot of times we think we need more speed than we do. But let's take an example. I'm going to go to a weird one. How often does somebody on a road trip or flying somewhere forget their phone charger? How often, you ask? All the time, right? Well, imagine you have gone somewhere, you're checked into a hotel, You're like, okay, time to charge my phone, and you go look in your backpack or whatever, and there's no charger there. Been there, experienced it, so then what do I have to do right now? I have to go get in a car, go to some store, hope somebody's open, buy a charger, and charge the phone. That's pretty lame, isn't it? So we are moving towards an era where something like that is like the perfect size item that you'll be able to just have it droned to you and dropped off. As for cars, on the same trip to Phoenix, what did I see running around? Waymo cars all over the place. And people in the Phoenix metro area have a love-hate relationship with Waymo cars. Waymo is a subsidiary of Google and it is a driverless automobile that has all this crazy stuff around it radar and stuff that can drive all around a significant part of the metro area and pick you up and deliver you to where you're going and why do people have a hate relationship with it because i said love hate people hate it because they follow all traffic laws So if the speed limit's 30 miles an hour, and everybody around you's driving 45, the Waymo is going no faster than 30, whatever the speed limit is posted. And so people don't like that. But there are multiple cities that different different companies doing autonomous shuttles and vehicles. Think of Uber or Lyft without a driver. This stuff is happening. is not science fiction. San Francisco, I think there are two different companies doing it. And General Motors has an operation called Cruise that they are part owner of along with a bunch of other people. And there's this constant debate among the financial industry, is the real value of General Motors what part of Cruise they own for autonomous vehicles and shuttles in the future? Or is it actually making vehicles, and the marketplace will decide over time. But the point is, the technology, whether you're comfortable with it or not, all this is part of our future, clearly. And I think it will be pretty exciting at your household, where there's a big emphasis, Krista, on convenience (laughs) of items coming to your house, Mm -hmm. that it will first be kind of novel when the drone delivers something to your house, then it'll become absolutely routine. The the drone's late. It was supposed to be here three minutes ago. It reminds me of when Wi-Fi was first offered on airplanes, and it was like just a stunner that you could use Wi-Fi on an airplane. And now it's the Wi-Fi on the airplane. I won't use the language that people use about Wi-Fi on airplanes. Uh, Let's just say the Wi-Fi on airplanes is very unreliable we're gonna keep it family better family show content
0: it is getting better, uh,
1: so but we do go from this thing where we we are stricken by the novelty of something or we don't like this new thing, and then we get to where we must have that thing right all the time it's so true. what's an example of that? Would you say that something that like was really novel to you and then man, it's like I got to have it.
0: I mean, definitely like the food delivery thing is crazy. Um, the internet. I remember when we were first, oh yeah, cell phones. When we, I remember <laughs> the dial up internet and how long that would take and how exciting it was just because it was so new. And now, I mean, if your internet slows down at all, the whole ho- my whole house goes into a panic. If the internet goes out, it's like alarms are going off in my house. It's crazy.
1: Well, um, I haven't mentioned it. We sold a, a car yesterday. And I kind of knew what it would be worth from looking online on, you know, on the web, various sites. And then I went to various dealers to get prices. And I was traveling around with the title because I had the title and both keys. And finally, I got a price that's like, okay, I got to take this. And uh, my son went with me and we were way far from home. So he said, you're leaving the car here? I said, "Yeah." Haven't you ever heard of Uber and Lyft? <laughs> and so, sure enough, we uh got whatever junk there was out of the car. The dealership was nice enough to give us one of their trash bags because oh we had not cleaned out the trunk. I was like so embarrassed. There was all kinds of stuff in the trunk. <laughs> so we we're we're standing outside this dealership with a black plastic bag, waiting for our Uber ride to come and get us.
0: Oh my gosh. Never a dull moment in the Howard household. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean. I love it. I I got all this money because, you know, as we've talked about in the past, uh, even though the value of used cars has started to soften some, it's still like nothing we've ever seen with the value of these vehicles having gone crazy. I was like, you know, do we really, really need this vehicle? And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. So we kind of had a family discussion and we sold off this vehicle and suddenly I had to figure out how to get home. I love it. All right, well, listen us But the point of that was I was able to take my phone out, mm-hmm. look and see what Lyft was, see what Uber was, request a ride. Think about all the things that would not exist if it weren't for these things. And someday that Uber or Lyft or a vehicle like that will be robotic, will not have a driver.
0: Mm -hmm. That's true. I know you were trying to move me along there. Sorry, Krista. No, no, no. I just want to make sure we get to some questions. This one is, you better just um, take a deep breath for this one from Scott Clark. Um, Clark, I hear you talk a lot about low cost investments, but have never heard you associate a number with this phrase. I invest with a national firm, and I gave you the name, and I pay 1.5% in expenses. Is this high or low cost?
1: So, Scott, that is extremely high cost. I mean, that is extremely, extremely high cost. And the price level that's my threshold is a third of what you're paying, is 0.5 should be pretty much all in what you're paying for your investments, management fees. And so you can now do investing. I mean, you can actually go all the way to zero with the Fidelity Zero Funds. But if you're looking at any of the discounters, you're likely going to have an overall expense level of one-tenth of one percent to 0.15 or 15 one hundredths of a percent. So 1.5, you're paying at least 10 times what would be kind of mainstream now if you're with a discounter. The idea with the company you're with, they're an old school kind of investment company. You have, Commission, you know, it's a high commission kind of environment, and you're paying for someone who may or may not be required to do what's in your best interest. A word that's bandied about a lot on our podcast and others fiduciary. They're likely not a fiduciary, but even if they are, they're the most expensive fiduciary you could have out there, really, at 1.5%. So yeah, that is not low-cost investing. Go and look at our guide to low-cost investing, and you'll see the difference being with a much cheaper company. Even if you want a lot of hand-holding, you can get that much, much, much cheaper than what you're paying right now. And that would put you more in the range of no more than 0.5 of one or half of 1%, one-third of what you're paying all in right now.
0: And kind of in conjunction with that, this is from Anonymous in Washington. It seems that all financial advisor companies claim they're fiduciaries, so I don't trust that claim. One example who targets military families is First Command. They say they're a fiduciary, but they push life insurance first, not term, And I believe their mutual funds have high fees. I'm just assuming that. Since their target is military families and we've been contacted, please advise if I'm missing something.
1: So, first command was a big thorn in my side a generation ago. And I attacked them routinely because they were engaged in unbelievably dishonest and unethical practices. They were ripping off members of the military to the nth degree. I don't hear those complaints about First Command today like I did before, but they are a very expensive organization to invest in, Uh, kind of like we were talking about before, but probably more expensive even than the question we had before from Scott. So this is something that military personnel could do much better than. Number one, I find repeatedly – that military personnel who invest with first command are missing the opportunity that's available just by putting more money in the TSP, the thrift savings plan that's available to you as a military person or also civilian employees of the federal government that have the lowest investment expenses of any choice out there in the marketplace anywhere. It's very, very rare that military personnel are using the TSP to the max. The other thing is that there are very, very few circumstances where buying the whole life-type insurance products that First Command loves to sell are most appropriate. Very rarely would they be, and generally you have to be making huge money, which military personnel would not be, generally in the range of family income of $400,000 a year or more, for it to start to make sense to even look at buying whole life type insurance products. So I want to create a distinction here. First Command before was clearly a rogue company. Today, I can't put them in that category, but are they an efficient place for military personnel to put their money and invest? Absolutely not. Uh, Coming up next, I want to talk about One of my favorite ways for you to save money for your future, that's in your own IRA. But there's a distinction with a difference that's so important for you, your future, and in this case, your family's future. Hear that? Believe
0: it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through
1: May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I've referred to myself for years as the man from Roth. There was a guy named Senator Roth from Delaware who came up with the idea of the Roth IRA. And the Roth IRA is ingenious. And in most cases is vastly superior to a traditional IRA because IRAs have such tight caps on how much you can contribute each year. And remember with a... Traditional IRA, it's basically a before-tax contribution. The Roth is an after, it's not basically, it's true, it is an after-tax contribution. So effectively, you're saving much, much more putting into a Roth up to the max you can do each year, depending on your age, either 6000 or $7,000. And the advantage down the road is that the Roth money is yours tax and penalty-free the traditional IRA, everything in it is taxed when you need the money to live on in retirement. So in a traditional, you actually have much less money than meets the eye because you got to pay all that tax. But now there's another tax issue, and it's one that keeps burning people. And it's the new rules when you inherit an IRA. So you inherit a Roth IRA, life's wonderful. You inherit a traditional IRA, on the other hand, the IRS has this straitjacket of rules that if you don't follow it exactly, they are going to destroy your wallet. And if you follow it correctly, what happens is when you inherit that, regardless of your age, you got to blow through that money in 10 years and lose all the tax advantage in 10 years. So... A traditional IRA is a hideous asset for you to design for somebody to inherit. A Roth IRA, on the other hand, is a phenomenally great asset for you to leave for your next generation to inherit. Now, With a spouse, these rules don't apply. A spouse, in either case, has spousal advantages, but often it will not be a spouse who's still around at that point, and so it does go to a next generation. Now, there are things you can do, and that is if I'm talking well past prior history, where you have done a traditional IRA through the years, there's a procedure where you can gradually migrate money from a traditional IRA to a Roth, and you have to pay the tax on the money you move each year based on your current income, and ultimately, you get that money out of the traditional end of the Roth, and then it gives you maximum flexibility in retirement, and not only that, you have something that's a great asset, potentially, to inherit if you don't need all the money, but wait, there's another bonus attraction that makes a Roth so much better than a traditional. So, accountants can talk about this all day long. If you're past 65, you're receiving Social Security, whatever else, having traditional IRA money coming into your life can cause all kinds of tax issues with other things and specifically cause burdens for you in receiving your Social Security with additional tax. On the other hand, if the money's Roth, that problem doesn't exist. So, I mean, I can just start adding to the list in so many different layers, so many different ways. The Roth is just an unbelievably superior vehicle. Thank you, Senator Roth. The Roth IRA is so much better than a traditional IRA. Employer environment. We're at a point now that I guess it's around two-thirds of of employees of companies with 401ks, somewhere around that number, now have access to a choice of doing a traditional 401k or doing a Roth 401k. Unless you are a high-level executive at a company making huge money, normally you're going to be better off doing the Roth 401k. Because the Roth 401k particularly if there's an employer match, you're still going to have both kinds of money because the employer match is treated as pre-tax money that will ultimately be taxed in retirement. So you have that pile of money and then you've got your Roth 401k money that grows tax-free and is spent tax-free. So tax rates, I know this is weird, doesn't seem possible, Tax rates, in addition, are lower than they've been historically the case. And I don't know if you're aware, but we have incredible debts as a country with a massive built-up federal deficit that we have built up over the years. And we got to pay for that. And how do you pay for that? You cut spending or you raise taxes are more likely, the way we do things in America, we muddle through and we do both. And so tax rates today, going into Roth versions of the IRA or the 401k or the Roth TSP, whatever, it's a more favorable time to do it than it's likely to be in the future as well. So, Krista, don't you think I should have come up with the idea for the Roth
0: Yes. I'm thinking like you need to change your middle name to Roth and
1: tribute. You think so? <laughs> Dump Brian and change? Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Uh, I've got a couple of questions here. This is from David in Virginia. I once read that if you put aside $30 a month in a mutual fund for 40 years based on a 15% return per year, that you will become a millionaire. Is this true? And if so, by that rationale, would $60 do it in 20 years?
1: So this is the crazy stuff with math. No. I mean, go go run a financial calculator yourself. There's a really good app for uh, Android and iPhone. I think it's available on both called Financial Calculators, but there's lots of these. You will be stunned what happens. The time that the money has to grow that you put in makes putting 30 a month in for 40 years generate much, much more money, even as much as like 10 times as much as doing 60 bucks over 20 years. It is a freaky, almost like freakonomics level kind of thing, how the number of years, and this is why I always talk about if a kid at his or her first job as a teenager can get involved in a Roth IRA, how much more money they'll have down the road by starting at 15, 16, 17, instead of like most people do, starting at age 30. The calculations about how much money you end up with starting earlier rather than later will blow your mind. Um, one thing, David, about your question, though, we're not going to see 15% returns. Uh, the reason is we've been in an era that stocks have been valued much higher versus a company's earnings than historically. And so there's this economic principle called reversion to mean. And as you look forward, potentially for several decades ahead, the returns will be less than a theoretical 15%. It's much more likely, that as you look decades forward, we're going to have returns somewhere around 8 8.5%, eight somewhere in there, over a long run.
0: So that's a good number to use if you're trying to use one of those retirement calculators, you think?
1: Instead of, because so often the retirement calculators get you to put in 10%. Right. And I think that putting eight in, the numbers aren't going to look nearly as exciting because they're going to mean you got to save more money over your working lifetime. But I think it's better to err on the side of putting too much money away than too little. I I mean, who wakes up One day and says, I can't believe this. I've just got way too much money for my future. I can quit working so much younger. This is terrible. Said no one. Exactly.
0: Okay, we've got another one here from James in Florida. My employer's long term disability insurance plan covers 60% of my income for up to 60 months in the event of a disability. Should I also purchase an individual supplemental long term disability insurance policy outside of my employer that covers the remaining 40 percent of my income up to age 67?
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't do that, James. First of all, you're really risk averse here. Um, I'm like 70 percent as the disability number instead of 60. 70 will get you to where you're pretty much okay you. If you're fully disabled, you're not going to have the commuting costs. You're not going to have the other expenses involved with uh, going to work or doing work. So 70% is considered to be a really good safe harbor for long-term disability insurance. 60 not quite there, but most common what employers do offer is the 60 not 70%. I, I think it's worth checking at your next open enrollment, though, if your employer allows you to buy up maybe that additional 10% to 70% coverage instead of 60. 100%, I've never heard of anybody buying disability that would cover 100% of what you get from a paycheck. And even though the chances of you being disabled are th- three times during your working lifetime the chance that you would pass away during your key working years, I think you're good with what you've got. And think about the difference between having for as long as you're fully disabled, well in your case it's a five-year policy, but knowing that for five years you're not going to have intense money pressures where most people don't have the wonderful privilege of having an employer provided disability insurance policy, and so they're staring down the barrel of having no money at all. Also, Social Security has disability coverage. It is harder to qualify for than most private plans offered by employers, but there's that available as well. And I want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. I want you to know that we work around the clock to bring you the best information for you to make good decisions for your wallet at clark.com new content posting every single day and if you want to fatten that wallet you need to check out clark.com and one last thought for you to my immediate right is a woman it has been my privilege to know since 1997 who started our first I guess you'd call it web presence (laughs) in 1997. We've been at this for now 25 years on the web serving you.